Hello and welcome to the Chip Away podcast. My name is Adam and I talk with passionate construction professionals and try to chip away at what it is to build, create and shape the landscape we live in. Today on the show is Liam, the mental health sparky. Liam is an apprentice electrician and runs the Instagram page at mental health sparky. It was a pleasure getting to have this conversation with Liam. He's doing much needed work through Instagram to raise awareness of the mental health issue in construction. I really appreciate that Liam is willing to put himself on the line and speak up about this crucial issue in our industry. I take my hat off to his willingness to get real and communicate his own stories about the stigma of mental health and applaud his efforts to try and do what he can in his own way. Forewarning, for this podcast, neither Liam or myself are mental health experts or professionals, and nor do we claim to be. I really wanted this to just be an open and honest discussion between two construction professionals about mental health in our industry, and I feel we achieved that. We both want to get the ball rolling in whatever way we can on this issue, and what we did was give it our best crack. Uh, as Liam says himself, it's not about the size of the dog in the fight, it's about the size of the fight and the dog, and I reckon that sets up our yarn quite nicely, so let's get into it. Liam, how's it going? Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? All good, mate, all good. I'm alright, I'm alright. Been um. Yeah been a little bit not as busy with because i'm on downtime at the moment but it's been all right yeah oh, how about true. you yeah yeah um yeah we're catching up on um kind of pre-covid work at the moment which a mm-hmm. lot of people are and then who knows what's going to happen when it all slows down hey eh? that's the that's the big thing yeah, so, exactly. so what's your what's your current position at the moment um at the moment so i am i've got my end of second year exam next thursday so i'm essentially transitioning from end of second year sparky apprentice to third year um with work at the moment i am in between jobs so the way that it's interesting in the way that i'm doing the apprenticeship because there's quite a few people on instagram that have gone through the way that i'm doing it but Mm -hmm. the more traditional style is completely different for us so at the moment i'm in between jobs but i'm still getting paid by etco which is my training company which essentially looks after all of us. Okay. Um, so essentially they look after our off jobs, so all of our books, while mm-hmm. our on jobs, that they, they like essentially hire us out to other companies and stuff. I so at the that. moment I did it, so for the first two years I've done domestic and a little bit of commercial, and now at the moment I'm trying to get an industrial job. So at the moment I'm just at home catching up with my books, playing games really. Yeah, nice, cool. So when you're usually working, do you do like block courses and, and stuff like that for your books or is that something Yeah, you so with books, it is um, every Thursday we have night class for probably about two hours. It says three hours, but it's always two hours because the teachers can't be asked sometimes. <laughs> um, and then, so that is every Thursday and it works like a school year. So it's got four terms. So it's, mm. it's two halves split up into two. Mm. Um, but then once every year, where for two weeks we have a block course, which is the whole two weeks we're at a training company. Or not at a training company, or like a training like classroom. And we're doing on jobs, so like more board work or like that sort of stuff. And then we've got a lot of theory. It's mostly theory. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So 
how did you get into being an electrician? How did this all start? Sort of, I wouldn't say by chance, but it's more of a, it was sort of like a, as it happened. So mm-hmm. what happened was I was born and raised in Taupo, lived there for all my schooling years and everything. And then after high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so I did the usual thing and just went to university and still had no idea, changed my degree three times in the first year. Mm-hmm. And then um, what happened was I wasn't like in university, wasn't, that really wasn't my thing. But then I was talking to my mum about options and she said a trade. And if I told myself four years ago when I was in year 13, I would think that I'm not, like I'm not a tradesman. But mm. just with opportunity and everything like that, Sparky sort of came more towards me than any of the other trades. But tried tried being an um, apprentice, did an elite course early 2018. And then, yeah, two years down the track and I'm doing all right with it. It's That's how I ended up in it, really. Yeah, okay. So what do you think drew you to being an electrician in, in particular, you know, your mum said she kind of uh, put a it trade was, out there. Yeah, yeah. So it was more, because I was more thinking towards, because I, when I first thought of trades, I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Like, I'm not very hands-on. I'm not very physical. I'm not really all that. Mm. But then what appealed to me about being a Sparky was, in my head, it was more, it's got a lot more to do with um, maths and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. quite maths-oriented mm-hmm. in my head. So that was that was a huge appeal to me. And it was more fiddly stuff instead of like building a whole house or that sort of stuff. Because even when I'm doing Sparky now and I'm putting a timber in or like a nog for a flush box, I still feel out of place. But when I'm running cable through roof, I'm perfectly fine with that sort of stuff. So it was more, the thing that appealed to me was more the brain side of it more than the actual physical side of it. Sure, sure. So when when you first went to university, it never even crossed your mind to get into trades because you thought you're more of a kind nah, of yeah. theory sort of person. Is that what you? Yeah, kind that's, of- that's that's what I thought. Eh, because it was mm. in year thirteen, I did a whole variety of things. I did science, I did geography, I did PE. But the classes I excelled in was maths and the physical education side of it. Mm-hmm. But going into university sitting down and listening to some boring person sorry if anyone's a lecturer but boring person talk for ages just like i couldn't deal with it and i found myself getting quite bored for mm. the two hours lecture like three hour lectures and i just couldn't do it mm. it wasn't my thing but yeah so that's why and then i found out because i remember one thing that really changed my mind at university was for one of my classes you had to fill out like a what type of learner are you mm-hmm. and it was i think there were four different types of learns you could be it was like you could write it down you can read it or like it's a visual or a physical one mm. and i was like and i did the exam i did the test for it and the because what you had to do is you had to get your test results and then go to the lecturer and show them your test results and they talk to you about it mm-hmm. and i got mostly um physical and visual and then the person said the lecturer said he said um if you're going to state university you're going to need to try change your way of learning and in my head i was like i can't I don't really want to change my way of learning. And then that was at the start of the second semester. Sorry if you can hear my cat. Um, it was the start of the second semester, but and then that second semester was just not any type of learning, anything like that. It was just mm. a whole lot of living the student life, essentially. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because um, I not had a similar situation, but um, it's interesting you say that you didn't think trades were perhaps for you because you were more theoretical, but I know I found out in my own journey through being a carpenter was that I kind of had a similar feeling towards the industry. And then once you get in there, you realize that there's a lot of different ways to be intelligent. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You think it's not, it's not always book smart. It's always like in my eyes, it's book start, it's book smart, street smart is the word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, in that classroom environment, you're really promoted to be book smart. And if you're a kind of book smart person, you're not, you're probably not going into the trades, but man, like, yeah, to say that you kind of aren't um, intelligent and and be a tradesman, like I wouldn't want to meet an unintelligent tradesman. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's hard. Like, yeah, I've been doing it for a while now and I get challenged like every day um, mentally Mm -hmm. and physically. So yeah, it's um, a whole different world. Cool, man. So, um, I'm wondering if we could get some backstory as well on, so on, on Instagram is how I um, mm-hmm. discovered you and mm-hmm. your, your kind of name on Instagram is the mental health Sparky. Um, and I wonder how, how that all came about and, and what led you to wanting to do something like that and kind of put yourself out there as someone who's promoting mental health. Um, I think a lot of it is I'm a very open person. I don't Mm -hmm. hide much from anyone or even people I don't know, like on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a few people message me. We've talked about our stories and all that sort of stuff. And it's quite cool because I think I'm quite an open person about it. But I think the main factor is because my mum was a guidance counselor back Mm -hmm. at, um, at my old school and she's quite the way she talks about stuff and the way that she's very open, I think was very much passed on to me and the way that I talk to people, I try to problem solve. And to me, that was just a simple fact. It was, I've had a really, I wouldn't say extremely rough mental health story, but I've had my own story with mental health. And I've noticed that the whole stigma around like men's mental health and all like that, oh, she'll be right in New Zealand. Mm. sort of needs to change because mm. I've had like I know a few people when I was in high school they had like they had committed suicide and it was almost just a situation where if they could have someone to talk to or if they knew that it was all right to talk mm. that's the main factor because it's not it's not always been there for someone to talk to me because not everyone's going to be comfortable talking to me but it's more letting it letting people know it's okay to talk and not yeah. hold it in yourself because that's when it gets toxic yeah, absolutely. And, um, I've I've seen a few people like the um, oh, there's some there's a few other people that focus on mental health like um, like Sparky um Sparky girl. She is quite. She talks about her mental health quite a bit, and that's quite that's really good because her platform's quite big, mm. and um, it's awesome because it's opening up the stigma for a lot of people. I think I wanted to try represent the male side of it. Yeah, because yeah. the trades is predominantly male. And I wanted to let that know that it's okay to talk. That's awesome. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate what you're doing. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I um, I echo your sentiments in, in 
the important part is is trying to get people to talk and um it's it's a heck of a task really because like you say in the construction industry especially the the male side of it it's still very a very much a a macho kind of environment where that sort Mm. of um that sort of talk just doesn't really happen um Mm. at all and um yeah i i wonder how how those conversations can get started you know i think it's it's pretty difficult to be honest um there's there's definitely a problem within the trades um with mental health um the stats don't lie you know especially when it comes to men unfortunately Mm. um it's really against us especially in construction and i think yeah i think you're right and the first steps at least in our industry is to get people talking um yeah yeah. um so i'm i'm wondering what do you think it's it's a big old like question and and it's going to take some digging to get at it but i just wonder what do you think are the kind of underlying issues that uh are resulting in in guys not talking or it not being kind of more in the forefront of of people's minds or being even acceptable to do even on or off site um, mm. um yeah. oh that's yeah that is hard um i think it is a lot to do with the i wouldn't say alpha male part of new zealand but the whole tough man attitude is that not like i don't feel bad like there's nothing wrong with me and even if there is like people don't show it um but it's it's a lot of the she'll be right attitude and the fact that there is a stigma around men that you have to be tough and you don't want to be like a pussy essentially because being a pussy and showing emotion is not manly Mm. is a way to put it um and it's it sucks because i know there's a lot of people around that have issues with mental health but it's just not like it's just not a thing that gets talked about on site because you get the stereotypical tradie or like contractor that i've worked with that talks about oh let's talk about girls let's talk about all this sort of stuff let's talk about sport mm-hmm. which i'm which i love talking about sport is amazing like i've got this i had this real good connection with a um sparky that i had at the old company I used to work for and it was just sport all the time yeah and um and i loved it it was amazing but it's you barely get to talk about anything else because if you bring it up and like you're worried about someone overhearing you or if you actually have enough trust in one tradesman to talk to about it or someone else to talk about it you're still worried that they might think of you as less or they might think of you as not that tough and stuff Mm -hmm. which sucks because if you think about it you're actually stronger for talking than not talking Mm. which is the point that really needs to be put out there because if you open a gate to somebody just to talk, then it opens the gate for them to come back through and then mm-hmm. they can talk about it. And then they could be like, Oh God, I wanted to talk to someone about this. That wasn't my wife or that wasn't like the flat I live with. But mm-hmm. it's all I can say is that it's just, you don't need to be so tough all the time. Yeah. So I wonder what's, what's your idea of, of, the word vulnerability especially for men um because i think there's a real like thin line on that word and and that kind of 
being vulnerable enough to open up to a workmate or or people within the trades um i think there's no way around it other than it being a pretty fine art especially because of the culture like you said that's um contributed to that kind of macho and and standoff attitude um yeah what's your idea of 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 vulnerability especially for males in that kind of environment that's hard because there are for me there's two different types of vulnerability or like two different types of effects that vulnerability can have on people is that you either get so vulnerable and hurt that you break down and Mm -hmm. like you just let everything out and you talk everything out or you get the vulnerability of anything hurts your feelings anything gets to you anything triggers like a panic attack or something like that but you keep it in and then it mm-hmm. keeps slowly eating away at you um but yeah there's an extreme fine line and i don't think that's down to choice of how vulnerability affects you um i think it's more down to how you're built and like how you're raised and stuff and both ways have their positives and like breaking down is not the best way and like talking about it, but neither is holding it all in. Yeah. Um, but I just, vulnerability is, that's, yeah, there's a, it's an extremely fine line with it, but I, I can't put a finger on it. Yeah. It's more. Oh. I have to say that, that, you know, just going through your Instagram feed, you, you do it mm. pretty well. You know, you're, you're able to be open in a way and, um, and not seem like someone who's just kind of overreacting or maybe even attention seeking, Mm. if you know what I mean. I think that's probably Mm. how guys in the trade would see it as a negative thing. It's like, Oh, you're just kind of looking for attention or you're just, you know, Mm. that kind of take a concrete pill sort of attitude. But yeah, I think, um, obviously honesty has a big, has a big part in it. And, And you're right about it being a fine line. Like I've seen, I've seen the I've seen both types, not so much the kind of complains about everything and talks about everything type, but definitely I've had experiences over the years where you can tell guys hold that in and when yeah. they break or when it cracks or when it comes out, it gets real ugly and it's a real shame mm. uh, for everyone. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that uh, in particular men can work on, I think. Yeah, it's a very good way that you put it is the whole looking for attention because I've definitely thought when I first opened up my Instagram, like people from back in Topol, they might think, oh, he's just doing this to like just to get the followers and just to get all the stuff that comes with it. But it's nothing like that. It's a lot more of opening it up and letting other people know that they can talk about it. So that's a really good way to put it, bro, to be honest, Walter. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think I think you do a pretty good job, and um, you know, you obviously you get good feedback um, from other people, and maybe hopefully you're kind of inspiring people to feel like, hey, you know, I can I can open up and talk about this. You know, whether Instagram's the best platform to do that or not, I guess that depends mm-hmm. on different people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, surely, uh, you know, I was talking to some of the guys. Um, in my team just the other day about it and um you know the people guys and girls that you work with day in day out you see them more than you see any other person in your life really you know you're there with them eight or nine hours every day and um if you're going to hold stuff in from them and if you can't feel like you can 
be yourself around the people you see the most, it's going to have a negative effect on your mental health for sure. If you, if you feel like you're always putting a mask on or if you're kind of, you know, playing a part that maybe you're not really feeling on that particular day. Um, Mm. It's a lot of effort to do that. And yeah, I guess finding a way to be vulnerable, whatever you want to say, open up more talkative. um, It's going to do you a world of good. Yeah. Because what I can say is that I do think even not through just through Instagram, but I think with the whole world changing in the way that it is, you are seeing a lot more companies talking about it and like it's still very rare and it still needs to be a lot more spoken of but from what it seems like what you talk about with your crew and the company that i used to be with there was not almost like a very open communication with it with the old company that i was with but it's more like we let each other know that we were there like we actually said it like if you need to talk about something talk to us and the boss was really well done in that sort of way he like Mm. he was really supportive in that way and um offered counseling offered all this sort of stuff and like offered to pay for it for some people and it was amazing like the way that the stigma is changing i guess you could say yeah i think no doubt it is changing um and i i don't know if that's just a sign of the times or whether it's kind of um a younger generation coming through who are you know some people may say more in touch with their emotions or just Mm. uh, you're more kind of open to the world. Uh, this, you're so much more open to through the internet, through everything. Um, yeah. We're seeing a lot more of the world and um, I think people need to talk more because there's so much coming at us. Um, but I, I'm interested in to think, uh, uh, interested in, in what you think about the fact that uh, definitely the statistics show this um why men are kind of disproportionately affected by this issue in this country anyway i think one of my first instagram posts i think it was a first instagram post or story was the statistics i think it might have been a story and the fact that it shows how insane the gap is it it's almost scary in the way that it shows that there is just a huge gap for men, especially in their like their teenagers to like 23s. And then especially from the 35s, to like 45s, mm. the big gap in that compared to like females or all that sort of stuff. I, it's, 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 un, it's unfathomable. Like you can't, it's, it's crazy how there's such a big ratio difference. Mm. And even if you look finer into that, is that there's also the if you then look at ethnicity and that the um maori and islander ratio is also way too large mm. it needs to, like it's it's crazy how much of a different proportion that is to like caucasian or anything like that it's and i don't know i can't i obviously can't speak on that sort of side of it but it's it's crazy how just because there's the whole tough male and alpha male sort of fact on it, it shows that men still get affected by it, but obviously I'm talking about it because of the yeah. stigma around it. But uh, I think it's the only way that you can describe that ratio and make understanding of it is purely just down to the the rationale of men thinking that they shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Because you're sort of, at least we're kind of brought up in a world where 
it's not okay for men to to show that kind of weakness really you know um and and i think you know myself and my own experiences you feel like yeah i shouldn't i shouldn't be doing that i shouldn't be letting my guard down because i have to be the guy who's strong or the guy who's um doing this that and the other thing and i'm not allowed it's not okay for me to be sad or it's not okay for me to not be happy today and and feel down and um have anxiety or whatever that may be um Mm. it's strange that we've kind of created that that world um and i wonder if that is changing Mm. yeah um obviously other than other than that kind of macho culture we have here in new zealand um affecting males in mental health i wonder if there's anything else other than that that kind of strikes your mind you know um, men are definitely kind of more likely to use drugs and alcohol um mm. to kind of deal with their emotions um i know i kind of joke about it a little bit but the only the real time where you see tradies open up as is like friday beers after someone's yeah, had exactly, more yeah. than a couple and then it kind of gets off the usual yarns and maybe someone will you know, hit on hit on a nerve or, or hit something deep and the exactly, guys will have yeah. a good talk about it, which is nice. But I, I always mm. feel like it's a shame that we only do this when we're having beers. You know what I mean? Exactly. Liquid, liquid courage is, I think, yeah. is the, is the, it sucks that it's a thing, but even in the experience I've had with the Friday beers or like the afterwork beers is that, the conversations do become a lot more deep mm. and a lot more meaningful, even if it's not about how they're feeling. It's about like their ethics and the way that they're the way that they think about the world and different situations happening in the world. Because it was crazy in the old company that when you were just to sit down and have beers, there was a guy from Liverpool, England, a guy from South Africa, and then there were the four Kiwis there, but which only two of them were born in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it was seeing that, especially the man from South Africa, he was, I think he was 63, and the difference in the ethics and the morals just because of past experiences and things that we didn't see or feel or believe. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how that affects it. And um, even myself, like I feel, me and my mates, when there is drinks involved in it, it is quite, it does make it a lot more easy to talk about it. And I think that's because you do loosen up a little bit, depending on the person. Um, I know me and my one mate have talked about it for hours just because we've both had rough experiences with it. And it's just, and it sucks because it usually is when we're drunk because the first time that we talked about it was when we were drunk. Mm-hmm. And then it started this huge relationship from there. I've been able to talk about it when we're sober and all this sort of stuff. Because I don't think, uh, I don't know if I want to say that, but I don't know if we ever would have talked about it if it wasn't for the liquid courage that we had. Wow, yeah. And I feel like because of where we are now and how close we are now, it shows that we can talk about it and how easy it is to talk about now. Mm. And if we're able just to put down, just like just even get rid of that liquid courage and just have that sort of courage on a day to day would be insane. Yeah. I think, I think it's, yeah, mm. that's the ticket really, isn't it? Um, 
it's just how do, how do you rip that bandaid off you know what i mean exactly um, yeah yeah it's um it's not easy but i think that's the kind of start you know obviously as a bit of a caveat to the listeners and the people out there you know liam and i are definitely not mental health professionals we're just um no. two tradies just who are kind of interested or or um passionate about this um and which both trying to kind of think of ways to be more open and to get this conversation started so that's how this podcast came about um so yeah we, we don't have any professional advice for people um but i do wonder if you've had any experiences maybe on site if you could speak to that um about kind of what you've went through yourself and how perhaps you've offered advice to other people or even just your attitude around mental health on site. Um, um, I think I've never really, there's only ever really one tradesman that I've talked to about stuff openly. And that was the guy from England because he's a very open-minded person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that he thinks is quite similar to the way that I think. And talking about talking to him about it is quite easy because he has gone through some things that that like it's very different from my world, but we're able to relate it in different aspects. Because he moved to England, or he moved from England a few years ago. But um, even the difference from England to New Zealand's crazy. But I can't really say apart from that. I've heard of tradesmen's issues with it, but never really talked about it. Um, I've been in the I've been in, in an issue where another tradie on site has messaged me, not while I was on site, but like on I think it was a Saturday night, and he was in a real rough spot, and it was it was kind of hard to message someone that you knew from work, or even like on the field that was going through hard stuff, but you just can't do anything because you're not with him at that point, and it's hard because I think that person was in such a deep hole at that stage that they didn't really know what to do with it all. And, um, but on site, it's mostly been like on the actual job. I've only ever heard, I've had, I can, from what I can count, two panic attacks at work, which one made me go home. And that was just a day of, I was just digging all day, bro. It was just mm. like a day where I just dug and I hated it. Like it was, because I put one headphone in and I was listening to a podcast, which was, I think it was a, po- a podcast called The True Geordie. And he was talking about a YouTuber who had mental health issues. Mm. And that struck a, I want to say struck a nerve, but it opened up the floodgates, if you want to say that, for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just digging and listening away to it. And I wanted to turn it off, but I just couldn't because I just, I wanted to almost keep my mind off it, but keep listening. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going. And then after lunch, I had a break. Like I, I at lunch, I had a break and then I went to go back to work. And I just couldn't. I just, I sat in the client's garage, had a panic attack and then just tried to chill out. And the tradesman found me because he was looking for me because obviously I wasn't digging anymore. And um, then I was like, I need to go home. And even then, that person, it's not the guy from England, but it was a different tradesman. And he, I think he was understanding of it, but I'm just disappointed. And that's the fact that people don't, they don't want to have that, like they don't want to get that reaction. If you talk about it at work, Mm. because even though 
he let me go, it definitely wasn't a, yeah, like, go look after yourself, do all this sort of stuff. It was like a, yeah, go on, like, leave, like, get out. Right. Which is a very hard way to put it and a very hard way to hear it. But I think if that was said to someone else that wasn't me, it could have been taken very differently. And because in myself, I feel like I know what is right for me and I sort of push away thoughts of like what other people think about me in those situations, which is why I'm at water do my Instagram page. But yeah, I think that situation was very hard in the way that I almost tried opening up or letting him know about it. And I was met with that sort of hostility in that way. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine um, that would be a pretty common um, reaction to be honest, you know, mm. um, even, you know, I, I could imagine a situation where you call in before you even start working, say, Hey, I'm not feeling right today. And, you know, if you had to, if you had to tell them the reason, say, Oh, I'm just having yeah. an off day. I'm feeling a bit down. I'm feeling a bit depressed or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder, I wonder what the reaction would be. In fact, I, I know what it would be for, for most guys. It would be like, you know, that's not a good enough excuse to turn up. Exactly, bro. Exactly, because when I first started work, I never told my boss because who would tell their boss on like your interview day or like the first week that you have mental health issues because you don't want to show a sign of weakness. But I think the first time that I talked to him about it was because one day I did have an off day and I tried getting out of bed and I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Then I text him saying I'm having a I'm having a bad day. Um is it okay if I have today off? And he said, yeah, that's okay. Which was cool. And then the next day, I think he was a little bit iffy with me because I didn't think he was happy with me at all. Mm-hmm. But then I think it happened again. I texted him again another day, probably like a few months later. And then I think he clicked. Mm. That it's not just, I wasn't just having an off day because I just couldn't be asked going to work. Mm. It was an off day because my head was not on my side on that yeah. day and then that's when the conversations at work started happening and that's when all that sort of stuff happened because you can't lie to your boss and say i'm sick oh you can actually i wonder how many people do that they say boss i'm sick i've got the cold but they're just having a really bad down day mm. i feel like yeah. that's definitely a and then that's not going to open any issues but that's what people will be comfortable with doing yeah i think i think people maybe laugh that off as um having man flu is what they call it you know where yeah, exactly. um yeah it doesn't happen happen very often but um guys will kind of pull a sickie um and you know even they'll tell the other lads oh, i just couldn't be asked going to work and and for me myself because i'm maybe thinking about the mental health side of things i often think mm. you know is it is it just being lazy or is there is there more there um because i don't i don't think people are naturally that lazy you know if they really if they really just wanted to stay home and play video games i don't know i I don't really buy it i think there's probably something whether they know it or not maybe there's something underneath the surface that's that's ticking away um so yeah that's that's interesting that you've so you've actually approached your boss and say I have a, I've had a history of like mental health kind of. Um, that was, issues. yeah, that happened after 
the second day I sent a text because he came in and said, what's up? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay it all out and tell him what's going on. Mm. Um, so that wasn't straight away. And it did take me a bit of time to be able to talk to him about it because it was the whole thought of, oh, is he going to see me as weak or is this going to change the way he looks at me? But it was, it was very much a choice on my side to talk about it. And I can see people wouldn't have talked about it because of what the situation was and what could have happened. And um, what you said before was the whole, you don't know if it's there, the whole underlying effect, because they might not know it's not there. Mm. And that's that was very true with me in university, because in university, it's interesting that you were talking about the whole underlying effect thing, because that's very prominent in my story. Um, the way that first year university, I was quite... Oh, yeah, first year university, second semester, I got quite into weed. It was mm-hmm. like almost an everyday thing for me, or like every night sort of thing. And mm-hmm. that affected it. That affected me in all sorts of ways that I didn't have a clue that it could because the whole thought about weed for me when I was younger was when I was younger, you just go, I'm not going to do drugs. And then in year 13, I first tried it and then was like, oh, this is all right, but didn't get really into it. But then second semester, the opportunity was there mm-hmm. and the opportunity to do it every day and go to bed just high was awesome for me in that fact, or the way that I thought it was because I didn't know what it could do because what I thought about weed in year 13 was, oh, you just get high, like there's no effects of it. And that's very much portrayed still in media because you just get, you just feel high, like there's memory loss, but you just get high but no one talks about the fact that it can hurt your mental health too. Mm -hmm. Because I think that even though, even though at university I wasn't enjoying it, I wouldn't blame it all on weed because there was a lot of things that year that did affect me. So the, at the end of the first semester in university, it was, we're all about to go home. And then my mate got a Snapchat saying, Oh, I'm sorry to hear about this, but, and then he sent me the screenshot of the message saying, do you know what's going on? And I said, nah. And then we found out that one of our best mates from Tobor died in a car crash. Mm-hmm. So that was, I wouldn't say that that was a very much, I wouldn't say that started it, but that, that affected it a lot. And at the time I was in a long distance relationship and that obviously didn't help anything at the same time either because you don't have that person with you. Um, so there was those two effects and the fact that I was smoking weed every night and the first panic, panic attack I ever had was when I was high and I just thought that I was just losing my head like I thought I was just in one of my friend's rooms just laying on the ground and I thought I was forgetting everything like I was just like I need you to show me my family's, um, family's photos and like I need to be able to name them all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. that was the first panic attack I had but I had no idea what it was. I just thought that it, I had like, like I, I asked the person that we got the weed off and saying, did you put anything else in it? Did you do anything else like this? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, like I swear it's like, it's just straight weed. And I was like, oh, okay, all good. And me being stupid, me at the time, that next day I just smoked and I just kept going. And then I think two weeks later, I was sober and I was having a shower at like eight o'clock at night. 
and I don't know what came over me, but all that happened was my head just felt like it was just getting, I just lost all thought and it was all just like hitting me at once, like everything. Mm-hmm. And that was when I first had a sober panic attack and I think I figured out what was going on was because I had, I was having shortness of breath. I was freaking out. I was like doing all this. I was like, I was just, I wasn't me. And like my head was scaring me for like the first time ever when mm-hmm. I like, when I realized what was going on. Um, and before that I prided myself on being very headstrong and very unsure about what was happening. Um, so when that first happened that first night, I messaged my mum because me and my mum have a, have a good relationship about talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I messaged my mum and she goes, oh, um, it could be this, like it could, you could like be having like a panic attack or something, but she didn't want to freak me out. So it's, it was almost like this could be it, but I don't know if it is because you mm-hmm. don't want to diagnose your kid or diagnose anybody with something that you don't know that they have. And um, I messaged my mate, which I knew this is different to the other mate that I've had a real good relationship with. I messaged him that same night and talked to him about his story because I knew that he was quite open with his mm-hmm. and um, more open to his mates, I'd say. And we talked about it that night and the next morning about it all. And like, we got along real well, like with that conversation, like we still play games with each other and stuff like every day. Um, and it's, I think that time was when I realized what was going on. And that was with the whole lot of fact that I didn't know what was going on in my life at that time because I was going to leave university or do I stay at university and like, what's the next thing I'm going to do? Because at that stage, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do with anything of my life. Mm. But um, that was the start of it all for me is that's my start of the story. I can't pinpoint it on one single thing. It was a whole bunch of things almost out of my control at once, except for a few that I chose to do that affected it. And that taught me that it could happen to anyone because I think my thought about mental health before it all happened was confusion because I didn't know anything about it and I was unsure about it. Like I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't have a single clue about what happens or what goes on. Mm. So I think for me, that was quite a revelation that I found out that I could do it, that it could have happened to anyone and that I opened my eyes to, realized that I could have other friends that were talking about it to us or anything like that. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's an interesting story and, and thanks for sharing. Cause I, I can see some parallels and I think maybe it, it rings true for young people and, and not necessarily men, but it seems like that kind of struck you at a time where you didn't know where your life was going and everything maybe mm. felt kind of a little bit out of control for you. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, if you're not sure where your future lies and, and you're wondering where you're going to pull your meaning from to kind of get through the next day or the next year or or whatever it may be, um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of hard for anyone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you don't have any, not necessarily foundation, but if you can't kind of grasp anything and, and, and cling on to something and have, have a why then you can't really bear the how if you know what i mean 
um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's interesting um that that kind of that hit you at that age and i think i see that for a lot of young guys um even in construction and i'm wondering you know you touched on on weed and i wouldn't mind knowing what you think um not to get too political here but um there's a referendum coming up in new zealand to Mm -hmm. maybe legalize that uh substance recreationally and i wonder what what you would say about that if if that did become a thing especially in in regards to mental health and, and construction and how how that would work when maybe guys could be coming to work stoned or i mean guys already yeah. do that but it being exactly. kind of okay to do that um mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, personally i feel like you could you should probably have the the choice to do whatever you want with your body but if it's affecting mm-hmm. other people and if it's kind of going to affect your mental health then i guess that's something that we need to be aware of uh, especially in our industry mm. so my take on the whole thing is i am going to vote and I will vote to legalize it. Mm-hmm. I think, in my eyes, because I know that it affected me at that time in my life, and that it affects heaps of people in many different ways. But I almost think that it should be legal in the way, like you said, that you should have control over your body. But it needs to be, it needs to have tight laws and registrate um like regulations on it. Mm. So, like, what I'd think was. Because I've done a little bit of research on it two years ago, I think it was, at university or like when I first started my apprenticeship was how long does it stay in your body for and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And um, what I found out, I don't know if it's 100% legit, but it's what I've gone by is that it essentially, if you haven't smoked in ages, it stays in your system for a week. Mm-hmm. So if there are regular drug tests, often and you do get nabbed with it i think you shouldn't lose your job like you would now or you shouldn't get in trouble a lot like you would now but you definitely get a big warning and maybe get sent home until you're able to have another test to say that you're clear Mm. because some of the tradesmen's i've worked with from like different jobs it's it's crazy how many you realize like the builders turn up and they're high or they have like a cone with their breakfast or something like that. Mm. And that's just, when I hear that, it doesn't make me feel safe at work. Yeah. Because with, with the whole, um, with the whole legalization of if it goes through, it's going to bring a lot of issues because, um, my essentially stepdad does deal with, um, like the testing and stuff now mm-hmm. and then. And he his stance on it is a lot about it's going to, like the drug testers are going to make so much money off it and it's going to just slow things down almost in a way, like at the start of work. Mm. Because people are going to have to need to be tested a lot more often because if it gets legalized and then the, the rate of um, work site issues and work site accidents go up, it's obviously that there's going to be a connection between it. Mm-hmm. So in my eyes, I think I, I, yeah, like you said, I don't want to get too political, but I do think that you should have a choice to do what you want with your body. But as soon as other people get affected by it or can get harmed by it, that's when there needs to be a lot of regulations and rules about it. Yeah. 
I guess I want to kind of take take it back to mental health, and mm-hmm. you know, we're we're talking about how uh, men in particular kind of turn to substances like that to mm-hmm. deal with a lot of their own mental health issues, and I just wonder if um, if that's not a trend that we really want, where a substance exactly. like that is readily available, and then people instead of doing probably what they need to be doing and opening up and talking about it and working working on themselves and, and reaching out to other people, they're kind of turning inward and in a negative way and, and smoking weed or drinking alcohol instead of um, instead of dealing with issues that need to be dealt with. So, um, yeah, that kind of scares me, that side of it, at least. Uh, yeah, you know, if we're trying to make a move in the mental health world and, and, and make our workplaces safer, both kind of physically and mentally, then I wonder yeah. how marijuana will affect it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good point because I think in my case it affected it definitely got the ball rolling rolling or it opened up the doors to it all. And I feel like a lot of other tradesmen at any age or like kids my age or like twenty or whenever you have to however old you have to be to buy it if it happens, they will get affected by it and like you said it will influence not just the physical side of it, but the mental side of it. Mm. And it could go either way. It could be the exact same thing with liquid courage. But I almost think that marijuana is completely different in that way that you don't always open up about everything in Mm. some cases, Mm -hmm. but neither do some people with drinking. But it's definitely going to have an effect on mental health. And it's a good way to put it because you can definitely tell that there's going to be a connection between it and it could affect other people yeah yeah i think so um yeah i'm not sure which way it'll go but um yeah who knows what it'll go but i think you know taking it back we definitely need to kind of get the ball rolling like you say and get that conversation going and and i think find find a way to do that kind of sober you know drug free alcohol free um especially for men um struggle with that uh Mm -hmm. quite a lot um yeah so i'm wondering um you know you've shared a little bit of your story um Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering what what's kind of worked for you um to kind of maybe detect when you're feeling low and you know can you have you gotten kind of on top of your own mental health in a way where you can see things coming from a little bit further off or you have coping mechanisms or you know what your kind of signs are, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in my situation, I, like, I can't say that I've taken full control over it because I still have days and will probably for a while still have days where I'm just down and I just don't want to deal with anything or anyone and just mm-hmm. do my own thing the whole day. Um, so I'm not saying that I've got control over it, but I do see it coming in ways because I'm still on my I'm still on my prescription. But I think the way that I've sort of figured out how I'm feeling or how it's going to happen or what's happening with me is because I've tried going off my pills, I think it's three times now. Mm-hmm. And the effect of not being on the pill that I'm on, it showed me what I have to look out for and what is going to happen. 
and like I've tried like I've tried going off it slowly like taking half a pill and then taking one pill every second day like all that sort of stuff and I definitely wouldn't recommend anyone to do it because when I was trying to get off it and when I was off it I turned into almost a different person Mm. but at that time I thought I was going to be fine and I think maybe in a year or two I will be able to go off it and I will be fine. So it all depends on what you feel in yourself because I do see signs now that I could almost go off it, but I'm scared to go off it. Um, but I do, when I wake up in the morning, that's usually the best indicator for me on how the day is going to go. Mm. Because if I wake up and I'm happy or if I had a good sleep or if I just don't want to get out of bed, I almost know what the day's going to entail and what I do need to do because what helped me at the very start was I've played sport since I was five all the way to now. I only ever had two years off sport. One was in year 11 at school because of an injury that happened at the start of the season. And then first year university when I just decided not to play anything. And now I realize that I need to be active and everyone else has their different coping mechanisms because if I'm down in the dumps one day, my girlfriend knows I need to get up and do something. Mm-hmm. So like she gets me up and I go for a walk around the lake with her or she drags me to the gym. Or she makes me do something. Mm-hmm. And that's almost like she's, it's amazing that she can do that because that helps me out so much. But before her, I needed to figure out what I could do by myself too. Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing I did was run and I hate running. I can't think of anything worse than running. <laughs> and I made myself get up every day, go for a run around the university lakes and do some bit of exercise and try to become myself again. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I've, I've definitely posted about it once or twice on my pages that I found the things I need to do to feel better. And for me, that's hockey and video games, Mm. but that's not going to do it for everybody. Everyone needs to find their thing that makes them happy. And because it took me a while to find out what I needed to do. There's definitely a lot of experience with mental health and my own fact that I knew what I needed to do with my own mental health. Yeah, for sure. But Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I guess, um, I guess the first part of all of that is kind of, admitting that something is actually going on and then and then yeah finding out what works and uh, you know i wouldn't mind asking you as well as things like exercise and um kind of hobbies that um maybe let you relax or or bring some enjoyment or some kind of socializing um to your life do you feel that um you have kind of a, a bigger sense of meaning in your life as far as kind of maybe long-term goals or you feel like your life has a kind of a purpose or a path. You know, I, I feel like a lot of mental health in this day and age and, and maybe particularly in the construction industry with men is that maybe they feel that their job isn't quite fulfilling um, what they really want out of life or what their potential maybe is or you know, they haven't really set themselves any any goals, whether that's work or, or personal or whatever it may be, something to aim at and something to get out of bed every morning. 
Um, mm-hmm. I know for myself that's really helped my own mental state is um, kind of setting targets and um, and having something to aim for and having a purpose um, because then you kind of don't give yourself any excuses not to get after it, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think very much I can attest the way that like my goals are by what I name my alarms in the morning. Right. So I've won, I've one alarm every morning. I don't always get up first time. I barely do. But the name of it when I first started my apprenticeship was wake up. What was it? I think it was wake up and learn something. So what I did was that day, the first thing I saw was wake up and learn something at work. Mm. And I think when I was having issues at work, my goals changed. My It was just wake up and get money. And that mm-hmm. was not the most positive effect because I, I started going from, oh, this is a learning experience to being like, oh, this is just a job. Just like get there at 7.30 and just get it over and done with. Mm-hmm. And I think that was that was a big issue. And that was when my mental state started, started to take another turn for the worse was when I started to change my thoughts about like the goals and stuff, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've done now since a new company, because I'm going to get into an industrial company, I'm going to change it back to get up and learn something new. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try to do everything like that because I've now got a new goal in life. That is, I'm going to be a sparky up until I get my apprenticeship. And then I know what I want to do next. And mm-hmm. even if it's not in being in the industrial field, I would need to finish these two years to get to where I want to be because mm-hmm. my ultimate dream is to be a cop. I want to be a cop. Okay. But what I need to do to do that first is finish my apprenticeship. But I want to give industrial such a good whack and try to do everything because, because I didn't end up liking domestic at the end of everything. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to love industrial because in my head, I've put them on two different sides because they are very different from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the goal for me now is to learn something new every day once I go back to work. And the fact that setting goals helps my mental state a lot, I think it would for a lot of other people too. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, some people might think that their purpose at work is nothing. Like they might just think that it's a get job, get to, get to work and then finish it like I did. But if you set a goal of I want to get this finished today or I want to work towards like my inspector or I want to get towards this, you definitely have a more positive outlook like when mm. you first shop to work. Yeah. And I think that's big. Nice. Yeah, I like that. You know, even, I mean, who knows what's around the corner in anyone's future, really. You can you can make your best kind of plan and, and try and stick to it. But I like I love that alarm thing. That's really cool, you know, because what you're doing is you're, you're, you know, maybe you have a a big lofty goal that you're working towards one day, but Mm. what you're doing in the short term is just setting a goal of, I want to learn and Mm -hmm. wherever that may take me. If you, if you keep something like that with you, um, you're going to win because you're bringing the right attitude to work every day. So that's because I, um, a lot of I took a lot of that inspiration from seeing all these videos of army soldiers or like army corporals always wake up at four o'clock because 
it makes them so much better. Like you make your bed at the start of every day because that sets your day up like for everything else you can do. Mm-hmm. And I don't make my bed every day. But for me, that making bed every day is seeing that alarm and doing something different about it every day. Yeah. So that's you definitely need to start your day how you want to carry it out. Yes, absolutely. Cool, man. I appreciate that advice. That's really that's really interesting. So I wonder, um, um, I'm throwing you in it here, but I wonder if there's any kind of um, groups or, or organizations that you think are maybe doing a good job in, in mental health, maybe specifically in the construction industry or, or where you'd advise people to kind of look for help or, or look to get the ball rolling? Um, the first page that I found to be amazing was Trademark. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'll try to get the shirt out. Oh, I've got it. So essentially what they do is I think they have a podcast too. And what they do is they've got a whole lot of merch and stuff. So like they've got these very bright shirts that you wear to work. Mm. And on the back, it says this is the conversation starter. And because if you, if you were to go to work with a very bright, vibrant shirt, it's just like, it is a conversation starter and people are going to be like, Oh, what does that mean? And then you're able to talk about it. So I took a lot of inspiration from trademark because of the way that they've done their sort of things. And um, Ethan, NZ, NZ Alec, he was one of the first people that I ever talked to about mental health and that sort of aspect. And he's very amazing with it all. But um, I know NZ Sparky Girl quite well because we both started our apprenticeship at the exact same time, did the exact same two-week course at the start. And the way that she's talking about mental health too like she's doing updates every week or every two weeks and it's it's amazing because of the size of her platform she's able to talk about things very openly and get it to a broader audience and let everyone know that it is okay to talk mm-hmm. especially for the small the small industry that she's in because i think we we're talking about because she's in she's in echo the same training way that i'm doing it and I think I found out yesterday there's only 38 female Sparkies in Echo compared right. to the hundreds of male men Sparkies during the apprenticeship. And she's doing that whole thing with um, Trady Lady Club and everything like that, the way that they're doing everything and the way mm-hmm. that they're also open is amazing for the girl side of it and even helps the dude side of it too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Cool. So I'd say those three those two people helped a lot and um the f- the first person that i saw talk about it on this story was um apprentice ethan so i messaged him about it and we talked about it quite a bit and he's really cool ethan is so yeah yeah mm. nice okay well definitely if you're on instagram go check out check out those pages uh mm-hmm. i'd have to throw in um mates in construction um mm-hmm. while we're on there i think they're doing really good work and they've kind of just started up here in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, they, they're running courses and they're coming on site and they're really getting the ball rolling. And Mm. I think, yeah, organizations like organizations like that are, are the future and the way to go. And especially the way they do it, their, um, their team is a bunch of really macho larger than life sort of at least, 
from the outs looking on them on the outside um so it's a really cool icebreaker when you see someone like like that talking about mental health you kind of um it erases that stigma straight away so yeah i think that's really clever the way that they do that and um yeah i definitely encourage people to go and and have a look at mates in construction um they're on instagram as well i know over the over the covid break they had a kind of live chat um smoko room where you could hop in on that live chat and and talk about um whatever's going on in your own life so yeah they're doing some cool things as well um super cool and um i just had a look and they're all they all like you said very macho men they're definitely going to help that side of it all too so that's awesome yeah absolutely i think it's a it's another way to kind of get that conversation started and yeah that stigma is uh, it's not going to be like a five minute job you know it's going to take a while to break down that kind of macho um exactly yeah yeah i mean you know i think you have to be realistic you're not going to get guys like having full-on deep conversations on a 15-minute smoko chat every lunch yeah, but, sitting you know, down every in day. a circle holding hands and stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean at the end of the day you know you know what it's like but yeah i think there's a happy medium there where at least you can feel comfortable about that or even mm. you know if you can approach your boss and say hey i'm having a bad day and not get kind of dealt with oh you know just get to work sort and get over out. it yeah exactly yeah, yeah i think yeah if we can kind of raise that understanding and i and i appreciate what you're doing because you know speaking on that kind of macho environment you to be to be totally honest you're kind of sticking your neck out a little bit by saying hey Mm. i'm over here promoting mental health and i'm kind of showing that how to be vulnerable um and i think it takes a a lot of guts to do that to be perfectly honest um some people might think um otherwise but um yeah, I appreciate what you're doing, definitely. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, I think I think we can pretty much wrap it up there, Liam. So um, I'll give you a quick opportunity to plug your own page because you're definitely someone who's um, doing a lot for, for mental health. So, yeah, if you just want to sort of tell the people where they can find you and, and how they can follow you. Uh, my Instagram page, I've only got Instagram. I'm not on any other different type of technology. It's just mental health underscore sparky with a Y. It's simple. It's the handle that I chose at the very start. And I think that suits me very well. And that's, yeah, mental health underscore sparky is where I'm at. If you want to talk, if you want to look for advice, if you want to see my story, if you just want to stalk me, that's okay yeah that's definitely what i did um and it it worked out cool yeah because uh, you know if if nothing else it's a good place for someone who maybe you never know who's out there listening who's who's kind of dealing with whatever or is just interested in it they can go onto a page like yours where you've you've really told like a lot of stuff on there and you're kind of showing of different ways of of how it can be worked around and how how you can deal with it on site. It's a construction mm-hmm. kind of um, base page. So, yeah, I think it's a great service. I appreciate it uh, once you, again. So. And it sounds like what you're doing with your company is also awesome because, like, talking with your young apprentice and talking with all your dudes on site about everything like that is a good way to break the stigma down, man. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you just have to... One thing that I say 
to the apprentices in my company is that I can teach you guys how to build, but I can't teach you how to love it. You know, if, mm. for you to turn up every day and want to get after it, you have to have passion for what you do, and and that yeah. can have a lot to do with what's going on in your own in your own life and your own mental health. You know, and if you can mm-hmm. not get a handle of that, because I don't think anyone has a quite perfect record when it comes to their own mental health. Everyone's going to feel down um, at some yeah, point, so. but. Um, yeah, if you can deal with that in a healthy way, I think it's going to definitely help you out, um, whether that's in your job or, or in your personal life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big issue. Um, I'm happy that there's people out there like you who, who are talking about it. So, yeah, Thank thanks you, a lot, brother. I appreciate your all time. Good, and um, we'll have to do this again. Maybe you can be my go-to correspondent for all Another things. update, uh, bro. Yeah, that sounds health. good, bro. That sounds <laughs> real good. Awesome. Okay, cool, man. All right, thanks for listening, friends. If, like me, you enjoy conversations about the love of building and creating, then please consider subscribing to the show and leaving a review at wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much to Liam for coming on and speaking up. He's a brave young lad for doing what he's doing, and I really appreciate it. You can follow what he's up to on Instagram at mentalhealthsparky. As I said in the intro, this was an attempt to shine some light and have a raw conversation without any filters or agendas. Mental health comes in all shapes and sizes, and I would hope that someone could get something out of that conversation. As we both mentioned in the show, there are some great organizations and individuals doing much-needed work in this area, and I'll leave some links in the show notes so you can go and check them all out. If I could be so bold as to offer a a bit of a closing thought. Um, I feel that although mental health is an issue many would much rather avoid and push away, it's something that as individuals and as a society we need to get better at talking about for the benefit of us all. So if you can find your own way of speaking about it or even recognizing it, then good on you. Thanks heaps to Liam for coming on again. Thanks to you for your time. You can follow me on Instagram at chipawaycarpenter to keep up to date with what's happening on the podcast. And until the next one, keep chipping away.